Hello and welcome to what I believe is episode 9 of the Red Army podcast, should have double checked that, as we will look ahead to Munster's real opening Heineken Cup clash this weekend against Exeter. There was a game last weekend, are we going to talk about it? We're obligated, but you know, Patricia was there, Um, I was not, I was too busy being a fake fan, some people call me, Um, living, living the life elsewhere, and to be quite honest, I was probably better off Patricia. Not a great weekend last weekend, but we'll park the rugby for a minute. We got to celebrate Keith Earls and Andrew Conway. So really, you're the real winner here. Yeah, that was really special. Like it's, you know, the match was what it was. And look, obviously, we'll get to that. And I, every time I go to Thoman Park, even if it's the worst of the worst, and like, trust me, I've been in Thoman Park for the worst of the worst. I always have that element of like, you know, I got to be in Thoman Park today, so it was sort of worth it. it. Might be a bit strong sometimes, but it's still there's. It's never an entirely bad experience because you know you got to be in Thoman Park, kind of thing. But yeah, the draw of this match was definitely the, you know, celebrating Keith Earls and Andrew Conway and just like clapping them on and off the pitch in Thoman Park. Sort of, I suppose one one last time. That was really special. Actually, I was I was happy that I made the trip down for that. Like. No, and you would, and to be fair, it's the one reason that I wanted to be there. Of course, I want to go to Heineken Cup games, but like when I seen that announced, I was like, "Oh, my two, two of my favorite ever players are being commemorated on the one day, and I won't be there." Literally, like like yourself, East Terrace, Best Terrace. I could have been mm-hmm. watching them, following them come out. No, wasn't there. But to be fair, it was a great, a great atmosphere for the lads. I know was it EPCR shared the clip and it didn't really do it justice. It almost sounded like it was a muted background. Um, It, it was, it was a great atmosphere for the two boys. And I'm sure the likes of yourself and some of our listeners um may have lost their voice <laughs> momentarily, which is no harm. You know, it was nice to have something to cheer um during that sort of couple of hours of, of time. It, no, it was really nice. Like the, the, the highlight of the whole thing, I have to be honest was, um, Andrew Conway's little daughter so like he came out holding her obviously Keith Earls came out with his three girls and then look I don't have kids I don't really intend on having kids but I I she seemed to be at that kind of age where she's like I will not and cannot be held um <laughs> so she was sort of upside down and like sideways by the time they got out to the middle of the pitch he handed her off to um to his wife and then she took off running down to the 22 so at one point he like looked for her and she was down playing with the cones that the mini rugby teams were using for their their sidelines in their halftime games. So she was sort of having she was sort of living the dream. But um no, it was it was really nice and they sort of spoke about, you know, a couple of the highlights. Andrew Conway spoke about the Toulon game and Keith Earls, they spoke about the photo of um Keith Earls and Peter on the bike in France sort <laughs> of what asked else him, would you talk about like <laughs> asked him to explain that and spoke about like you know for Keith Earls being a young lad hopping over the wall to watch Munster and to have played for Munster as many times as for both of them as they have and yeah it was really really nice it was lovely and they got a presentation there was some like um uh paintings that they were given by the MRSC so yeah no it was lovely it was really really nice and it's it's great to have those moments as well and it's something I mentioned to a few friends I'd have liked to have seen done for Sean Klain and Horkis name and as well as World Cup winners, but 
maybe another time. You don't know, but it's. I mean, you know, I guess it's different because they didn't achieve that with Munster. Like it's, they did win the World Cup, but how we react though, like (laughs) you know. But it was nice, especially because, like, obviously Keith Earls will have sort of known that he was retiring. We all kind of thought that the World Cup might finish it off for Keith Earls, but like when Andrew Conway came back from that injury, like his 150th cap scored his 50th monster try against the Sharks, we all kind of thought that, you know, Andrew Conway's back and then obviously that ended up being his last game, so he never got that moment of like, you know, this is my sort of, he never got that full stop, I suppose, so for him to have that, especially like I, yeah, I I love being there, like I have never made a secret of how I feel about Andrew Conway as a rugby player and so it was really nice to to be there seeing that yeah. and and to be fair it's something Munster have done in the past they've done it for you know the likes of Billy Holland and Tommy O'Donnell before I think it was the extra game a few years ago that they did it for them and they've done it for mm-hmm. past players and it is always something nice to have you know maybe halfway through a season like this one there you ring out these guys and they get the send off they deserve and like myself and I think it was Eric was on the week that Keith Earls retired we talked about like there's no better man there's literally no mm. better man like if if we had done that from in Parky Quay for 50,000 it still wouldn't be enough people do you know like that's yeah. the the impact that he has on Munster and Andrew Conway like he might be a black rock boy with a black rock accent but he's everything else is Munster you know literally yeah. everything down to his toenails I'd say so it's it's well deserved for them there was a rugby match and we don't yeah, have so to get either, into it because they're not either a lot of rugby was that. played either yeah. side of that they did a bit of rugby but um oh god sure wasn't it one of those days that that's yeah it, it's hard to find the positives when you go into it being like oh we have to get a bonus point win and you come over with a draw after thinking if Tigburn doesn't do Tigburn things we could well have lost that game like yeah it's like we rough. like and even in the water like when the players were coming out warming up um you know, they looked comfortable, they looked relaxed. Like Antoine Frisch came out, obviously I know he wasn't playing, but he came out, he ran the warm-up and um, he was talking to some of the lads in front of me and the kids on the other side of the tunnel were sort of shouting at him and they said, who do you think's going to win? Who do you think's going to win? And he sort of gave him a little smile and just like tapped the crest on the jersey and ran off. Like there was, I, it felt weird. Like it, it felt like one of those games where you're like, why is this happening? Like what is actually going on? Um. And I think what was going on was you don't understand. See, you weren't there. So like it, it's it's actually harder to sort of contextualize how big these guys were. Um, But like I've been to a lot of games in Thoman Park and I don't know if I've ever seen players who just like, obviously you can tell watching a game when a player is a big guy, but when you see yeah. him stood in front of you, the size of these guys, it was unbelievable the props like all four props you know I'd say one of their props you could fit probably Munster's entire front row in the width of them like it was insane I I think a good example just for my own head is I was down I was on sideline for the Toulouse game last year the one that we could all definitely see uh definitely wasn't involved if (laughs) Bayon are bigger than that Toulouse team were last year with like Arnold and Famuina and those boys, then you know they're big. And I know, I know they are. I've read up in it in the numbers or whatever. <laughs> but like it just shows like they are a proper, I don't want to call them like a pro D2 team, but they're like a proper, like promoted, relegated, tough as nails French side. 
And that's actually a huge compliment because usually when we say that around about cast and we're also calling them every name under the sun. So I, I think it's oh. a great respect to Bayon that we can say they're huge men and they play rugby the right way for what way they want to play it. I really, I almost wish it had been cast and I've never wished to be watching cast. But if at least if Rory Kakat had been there, like there would have been something to spur the Munster players on. I don't know. <laughs> I think what happened was like, I, I do think that Munster just sort of got punched in the mouth a bit. Like they did get a bit of a, a shock. And I don't think that that is at least not entirely sort of complacency and um, not, you know, rating the opposition highly enough. I don't think it was that, but I do think that they might have, like whether on purpose or just on the day, sort of underestimated how much, the size of the Bayon players would end up being a factor. And once that became as big a factor as it did, it really opened Bayon up to be able to play in a way that I don't, from what I gather, like I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to pretend I'm a Bayon expert or anything, but I gather that the way that Bayon played during that game is not entirely sort of expected and usual for them, but they were really good. Like they, they opened were, up, like they really, yeah. they grew into the, and it's such a cliche to say a team grew into the game. But they really did because you could sense it as they stayed close and they stayed chipping away, they stayed making inroads. They just kind of grew into that game. They could sense Munster were still chasing it even after an hour. I went to Taji score about 55 minutes. So you could say up until maybe the 50th minute, they could sense Munster still chasing this game. We're still in this. And like, I know we were all thinking of the famous Montebon game in 09. They weren't thinking of that, but they were certainly thinking... Jesus, you know, it's for a lot of these players, their first Heineken Cup game. And that still means a lot in France. And like, I don't know who it was that said it. I think it could have been Bernard Jackman or someone was like, we don't realize how much respect the French teams give Irish teams, especially away from home. They feel like it's as tough as any away game in France. And they played like a team who realized halfway through, God, we could take these guys. Like we could, we could read it. And like, you look at, uh, Taji, who came off the bench, he looked like a lad that was like, Munster, I got these guys, you know, and you you do have to respect it because in fairness, one of the big things we've said about French sides or just Heineken Cup in general is how often do these teams just roll over after like half an hour? Bayon didn't, even when you expect them to. They sensed that Munster weren't clicking and they, there was a result in it for them and fair play to them. And like, what a kick to level it then at the end. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my rant here because I'm I'm gonna rant a bit. It's one of those nights. B BT slash TNT put up a list of the best kicks around and didn't include that one. There was a gale force breeze in his face coming over the terrace from the touchline. He hadn't kicked all season. He I don't I don't know if you if you'd heard it. He hadn't kicked it at all all season. He was on the touchline, gale force breeze, looking to draw up the game in the Bayon's European debut against a Munster team who had only slipped up four times against French sides in pool stages ever like mm. four four times ever and all of those are in the last like nine years that's how much pressure was on him and I'm sorry but like Kieran Frawley's kick where he just had to kick it dead or Callum Sheedy kicking a drop goal that I would have made from like seven yards in front of the post they don't come close on this one that was fun. the stones on the young man. I, I mean, I'd give Callum Sheedy a little bit more credit, but I, I, I do... still could have kicked it. Like, we're both <laughs> left-footed, we both have nice hair, and we both think Bristol is shit, so, you know. 
I don't know if Callum Sheedy does think Bristol is shit, though, in fairness. Maybe that's just me. Um, no, I think that, like, obviously a, a hell of a lot of game happened before he got to the point where he had to make that kick. I think it would have been impossible for their confidence to not grow throughout the game because their size became such an advantage. Like, it was... It became sort of, I hate the term like men against boys stuff, but that that was kind of what it became because Munster, you know, didn't have the personnel to make up for the fact that they were so undersized against this team. I cannot stress enough how big these Bayon players were. Like they are just so massive. And, you know, the first half was sort of, Fine. It was, you know, Munster were winning 14-3 at halftime. There was a, a try from, from Gavin Coombs and there was Shea McCarthy got his first Munster try. Really nice score, actually, that Shea McCarthy try. Really nice stuff. Really well done. And you sort of you sort of thought, right, it's it's not it's not going perfectly. It's it's sloppy. Um which was uh, kind of to be expected, an element of that with the with the sort of rotation's not the right word because you know it wasn't as if these players hadn't played all season or they hadn't, you know, ever played for Munster before or anything like that. But the sort of changes that Munster had made, you would expect a tiny bit of sort of disjointedness, but it wasn't going perfectly. But 14-3 at halftime, you're kind of thinking, you know, they're, they'll, they should still get the bonus point here. Like, you know, if the, even if the second half goes the same as the first, it'll be one of those sort of manky typical bonus point wins where it doesn't feel like a bonus point win but you just sort of bank it and move on and then as that second half went on like it just got so much worse from a point of view of like the size of those Bayon players just sort of suffocated monster they couldn't do anything because they were so on the back foot like in terms of the physicality and it became really really difficult to watch like I I'm honestly thinking about it like afterwards I'm kind of surprised that Bayon didn't win the game um there was you know their attacking game like they had obviously that size up front but even their attacking game overall looked really good like they really kicked it up a gear in the second half and Munster are very lucky that they only scored once I would say um and like you say then a hell of a kick to level it and Jack Crowley can do a lot of things, but he can't do a match-winning drop goal in swirling wind and rain with one boot on. We learned, you know, that's one thing that is slightly beyond him. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Like, but it was just one of those. It felt like from pretty early on, like it was going to be one of those games, and it wasn't until the second half where I kind of thought Munster might be in trouble here, but it sort of turned into that, like a, a combination of, you know, poor performances um, from players who you would sort of hope wouldn't have poor performances. And then the size disadvantage, the um, the sort of disjointedness in the conditions, just it was a it was a perfect shitstorm for Munster, really. And, you know, in the end, they are lucky to escape with two points but none of that felt lucky like it was not nice at all none of it was enjoyable the first scrum the first scrum where Bayon went forward and Munster literally was like you crumple up an empty crisp packet I literally just went 
oh no. And um, John Hayes was stood just next to us there in the East Terrace. And I was like, do you reckon he has his boots? Like, do you think he could just... And he's, he looks like he could still do a job as well. We were kind of looking and we were like, is that John Hayes? Because he's just obviously just a, a guy. like. Um, yeah. And we saw the bruff hat and we were like, yeah, it is. And he looks like he could still do a job. Like he, he is still in sort of professional athlete shape now. And I was like, you know, I am as big a John Ryan fan as they come. They don't think the problems were not on John Ryan's side of the scrum early on. But, you know, do you think we could just get John Hayes out there? It just, it, it, nothing Munster could do. There was nothing Munster could do once they were in that game to sort of stop that from happening. Like what Munster could have done to stop that from happening would have been, in hindsight, you know, different selection. Um, but once they were there and it became the sort of game it became, they were pretty much fucked, like from sort of 30 minutes onwards. It was a, a difficult one. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. And like, it's not even the whole thing of a slow bleed because it's not like Bayon started like poorly or like they started all right. It was just, it always felt like once they were chasing their cha- tails, they were so inaccurate at times. And like someone made the point, and I think it was actually just ironically in some ways, it was not relevant to Munster and how they played. But it's like when you get to the stage when you're passing the ball out of play, you know it's been a bad night. And that's yeah. not on it's not even a slide on Tyke Burner Anton. It's just it was just a bad night for us. And like I would I would take an awful lot of not positives, but I put a brighter light on the fact that you look at Jack Crowley and how he dictated things. You look at how Alex Nankerfeld always looked sharp on the ball. And like we can get into performances in, in a few minutes, but like they were always trying. But it was the old phrase of you have to earn the right to go wide. It felt like we got to a stage where if we could just get into the wide channels, if we could just get into the 15s, Tom Saharan is out there and he's winning every collision he's involved in. And, you know, Calvin had gone to the wing and listen, as I said, Calvin's like our new Andrew Conway. He refuses to die with the ball. Ben O'Connor, I know he he had a poor missed tackle early on. He can nearly put that down to nerves, I feel like. No, fair um, close to Ben O'Connor. He's like 12 like, years old and he's played rugby like twice ever. And yeah. he came on early on in a really difficult game. And I he thought he showed so well. up really well for it. I thought his kicking was really good. He has and, a cannon on him. An absolute yeah. cannon of a boot. Absolute fair play to him. I know what you mean. And like there was one crossfield kick to Shane McCarthy that just went slightly over his head. And I was mm-hmm. surprised and a bit frustrated that they didn't try that more because it would yeah. have worked had he caught it. And I just felt like if you just keep like, you know, I know that it's not as simple as this, but there's a six foot nine guy on your team. If you kick it to him and he's standing on the wing, things are going to happen as evidenced by every fucking time Tom Hearn got the ball out wide and you just knew that he was going to go at least 30 meters. Like it was, it was frustrating. There was so much of it that was frustrating. It was like the decisions were poor. The execution of the poor decisions was also poor. You know, turning down the three points was poor. It was, you know, if Munster had taken those, those shots at goal, instead of going for, you know, um, a sort of a mall try with a mall that hasn't earned the sort of fear to go for those. Like the, the you know, teams aren't fearing monster from a from a close range line out, which is fine. But it's like recognizing your strengths 
and not going for repeated line out malls and tap and goes against a team that is so much bigger than you that like they know that they can stop you. You know, if they take the three points there, the game is won and we're just talking about a slightly janky win and that's fine. Like I love janky wins. Excellent stuff. And we're literally talking and- about a week after the the B not okay, I'm not a mall expert. Like I'm five foot eight. I'm I'm never been in a line out after the minis rugby. But we're talking about a week after the Glasgow targeted that first impact at mall time. And that's how they mm-hmm. got past us. It wasn't because they were so much bigger. Now, how the feck are we supposed to maul over Bayonne if we're struggling to win the first impact first of all? Like, realistically, what we should have been doing was win a simple line out. And maybe if it's Nankavell or if it's a little bit of deception with with um, um, Calvin Nash, or if we go like five man and have me say Coombs, Hodnett or Hearn, someone like that, ready. Like, it looked like, it, it feels like Munster's line has gone to the stage now where we either completely simplify it and you could prescribe it and it could be don't you know, say the word faint or cut out or I, will, I don't I, just, I don't want to <laughs> but that's where so I'm going because that's what they do angry. but that's what they do like they go for these elaborate it always feels like the same pattern we start out strong the lineup's okay we hit a couple of every once in a while there's a couple of nice throws at the start be it from from Baron or, for, or from Buckley and then they go for one of those elaborate ones and they completely miss it and then the confidence yeah. is just gone. And like, yep. I will preface that by saying the best lineup jumper under six foot six that Ireland have ever had in Peter Manny is not available. And I understand that's huge. And just having him there gives you so much confidence. But geez, we could have done with just a little bit of something else. Like maybe even just the fact that that Glasgow game was so near that we haven't had a chance to properly look at lineout. And it was just salvation mission at this stage and like we're going up against Exeter Leinster and Connacht in the next three games mm. they really need to get the line out sorted <laughs> like really really fucking quickly because you can't afford like scrum percentage was down below 60% line out percentage this season has been like 14th of the 16 teams in the URC yeah and like I'm pretty sure the only reason the Lions don't do it is because some geographical pull because there's no one in the stadium because they're always like last in the lineups like it's, it's I just want to say right I want to say I trust this squad of players and I trust yeah. this group of coaches and I think that they have earned that I think that they you know this is season sort of one and a half of this coaching team and like you know the way that season one went they have earned maybe not even benefit of the doubt, but I do trust this team and I trust these coaches. However, that being said, it is really frustrating when you're watching a game, even live in the stadium, and you can see sort of, maybe not necessarily what they should be doing, but you can see that what they are doing or what they're about to do won't work. Like if you can see it live as you're watching it, it's really frustrating to not know why they can't see it. Like, is it the decision to keep going for the line out? Is it the execution of the throw? Is it the execution of the mall? It's, it's a bit is of it everything, all of those things. Like, it's it's really frustrating to see that it won't work. Like, knowing when Munster have a penalty and they kick for the corner that they're not going to score. That's really frustrating. That's almost impossible to support that game while it's ongoing because you're just like, they're not going to score. And, you know... I do agree that it's not good enough and 
it's not like it's not sort of over egging you know like let's go panic stations once they're going to come last in the URC and they're going to lose every game for the rest of the season just because they had sort of one shitty performance but it's becoming a pattern this season that Munster have let big leads go and they have had low scoring second halves and they have had a massively misfiring set piece and those are not patterns that you want to slip into because very quickly they become sort of almost insurmountable for a season and you know we're sort of what eight games into the season now you don't want patterns in a negative sense to come up this early on like having you know 10 points against Ulster 10 points against Leinster and 11 points against Bayonne it doesn't feel like a pattern in terms of like watching those games individually it didn't feel like oh fuck's sake Munster are doing it again but when you look at it that is a pattern you know it's happened three out of the eight games like that's enough to and you know could it have happened against Glasgow like potentially you know Glasgow looked like they were going to score another try at the end of the game which would have gotten them a second bonus point from that game so like it's it's there's enough there to be worried about and at the same time it feels like everybody should remain fucking calm because it's still early in the season and it's very disjointed in terms of World Cup players coming back it's it's a really weird place to be in with this Munster team at the moment because I both feel entirely calm and confident that they'll sort it out but at the same time like the season is cooked <laughs> really strange and to be fair like we're not over egging it insofar as as you said let's just throw everything out we're going to fail we're going to come last It's it's nothing like that it's just the element of we know that we have the raw materials to have a better set piece than we do. Even even the scrum. Like, realistically, Munster shouldn't be scrummaging as poorly as they have been of late. It's the scrum was of... all right. Like, the scrum was yeah. sort of just an element of how much bigger those guys were than Munster. Like, in terms of, I, I, I don't know much, if anything, about scrums, but, like, technique-wise, like, the scrum is fine. I would say the line-out is a much bigger issue than the scrum at the moment even though it might look sometimes like the scrum is the one that's going worse. But it's very difficult to look at this team who... And I think that it's the fact that we all know what this team can do and they're doing it in in small flashes. And like Munster know more than anyone and we know as Munster supporters that winning or losing games in November is not the winning or losing of your season. But at the same time, it would be nicer if things were going a bit better than that because even this monster selection, even in the wind and what became then the rain in Thoman Park, should have had enough to beat this Bayon team. And I'm sure we'll talk about performances. Like from a Bayon point of view, I know that we sort of joked over the last couple of weeks about you know, not knowing Bayon players' names. Um, like we know them now, you know, and yeah. and I don't think that, that that it's, you know, I don't think that we have to necessarily like eat humble pie. I don't think we were particularly sort of out of line for I, I wasn't here about... last week now. Excuse me. I wasn't here. We can blame it on the Glasgow man. We okay. Blame well, it on him. <laughs> you did say it the week before. You only didn't show up last week because you couldn't be arsed to learn a Bayon player's name, which, look, that's fine. But, you know, I don't think that it was, like, I think that that was fair enough because 
Bayon sending a rotated team selection to Thorn Park should not we should not have had to learn their names. But you know, when Davida Tavaldi came out to warm up, I was like, "That's one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen." And then Junior Taji came off the bench, and I was like, "Well, he's bigger." Um, <laughs> and yeah. you know, it was it was terrifying, really, to be honest. Um, but one thing I will say, and like, I don't want to be overly negative. Um, I don't like being overly negative about Munster. I I feel like they don't deserve it, even though after a performance like that, like objectively they do. Um, but it was, I know that I was supposed to be sort of fuming and I hate this team and I hate this game and I hate my life and I wish I'd never been born and blah, blah, blah after a game like that. And there was an element of that. Like I had to sort of pause my music on the drive home a few times to just be like sort of silently fuming about the game I had just watched. Same. But it it was, I found it so cool to be in that stadium and see what it meant to the Bayon players and supporters. You know, it was their first ever Heineken Cup game. And regardless of how sort of overdone the narrative became on Sky Sports over the years, Thoman Park is a special stadium and it's a special stadium from a Heineken Cup context. So their first Heineken Cup game being in Thoman Park, that means something. And for it to have been a draw and, you know, I was walking out, there was a a huge amount of the Bayonne travelling support was in the West Stand. And as I was walking out, obviously you walk, you know, you know yourself, you walk through the North Terrace to go out like that way. Um, the players were celebrating with those supporters and you'd swear that they had won the trophy. Like it meant so much to the players and supporters, you know, as somebody who spent two months in France for the world cup, it was lovely to hear Ale Ale again. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that that was a Bayon song until this weekend, but it turns out that is Bayon's song. So that was a welcome surprise. Like things like that from just like a general rugby sense are, I find those like, I think that sort of, it sounds stupid, like that's what it's all about or whatever. But it kind of is, like, and at the same time, Munster were fucking hateful. And I wish none of them a good evening that evening, like, I'll be <laughs> honest. But, well, actually, no, not none of them, because there were some Munster players who were very good. But yeah. not many, just some. Just just, th- just, some. just three, just three. Everybody you have, th- you have three, I have two. And I could probably add in another one or two. I have Thomas Ahern, it's at this stage... Thomas Ahern being one of our key our impressing players is like when CJ Stander used to win the CJ Stander of the of the match award because Literally. it's every week. And yeah. I also have Tyg Byrne. And I feel like Tyg Byrne wasn't great, but he just does what Tyg Byrne does. Anytime he's a 7 out of 10 performance, you have a moment or two where you're like, oh shit, yeah, that's one of the world's best players in any position, Tyg Byrne, who's on the field. And it's like, yeah. I'm, I remember that that's who he is. Yeah, I'm we happy spoke about that. We spoke about that the other week, didn't we? That um, like he will always be tight burn, and he got player of the match. Like I don't, I wouldn't have given him player of the match. Like he, I thought he was. He good. did win a tiny zebra. I don't know if you've seen all. Yeah, the, the, the player, all the player of the matches zebra. get the, the the zebra. And now I'm gonna be honest. I want one of those fucking zebras. <laughs> If you. any monster player or anybody works in monster organization, is Craig listening? <laughs> Craig might give you one. Craig, here's the thing. The next time you win player of the match, you know, in the Heineken Cup final, when Craig gets player of the match and Munster's winning Heineken Cup final, I'll take the zebra. I'll add it to my collection of memorabilia that I stole from Craig Casey. <laughs> no, he gave it to me. Um, Tom O'Hearn, obviously excellent. I thought John Hodnett was really good. Um, yeah. 
I think I like this back row of Ahern, Hodnett and Coombs, you almost sort of think, what do we do when O'Mahony comes back? We might because... as well get into it now because I was going to talk about it anyway. Like we're at, we have, okay, touch wood if everyone who's supposed to be fit this week, we have Edwin Adogbo to come back in, hopefully. We've got Tyg Byrne and Finian Witchley who started. Peter O'Mahony yeah. is expected to come back in along with they've, Thomas Ahern, John Hodnett. That... No, they, won't risk, they won't risk him, I think, is what they yeah. said about Peter O'Mahony. They said that he's essentially a doubt, which I would doubt that he would play. I'd say they will save him for Stephen's Day. But yeah. even then, like it's still like an ongoing question. Like If he yeah. does play this weekend, even if he doesn't play this weekend, like if he plays, he'll play next weekend. So I mean, what, off what the do ball do? insinuated that he would be Ireland captain and drop from the 23 at the same time, <laughs> which even by their standards is a new low of... Like, I know you don't understand Peter Armani. I know none of you understand Peter Armani, but seriously, lads. Like, look at how Ireland's back row went to the World Cup and tell me that's the guy we should be dropping. Go on, tell, like, tell me again. What like, I find funny in about... That situation. We're not talking about Ireland, um, and I don't really have any interest in talking about Ireland because they're not playing at the moment. I've, no, I've but noticed. <laughs> what I find really interesting about... Not even so much about Ireland, but about, I suppose, the way they talk about Ireland... If you look at sort of Ireland's biggest wins over the, take this World Cup out of it, but Ireland's biggest wins over the last couple of years. So you have like, say, the South Africa game last autumn and then the New Zealand series and um, the Grand Slam. It's always about the, you know, Ireland is so majority Leinster and blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the two standout players, the two reasons that Ireland won that New Zealand tour were player of the series, Peter O'Mahony and man of the match in the last test, Tyke Byrne. And I find it really interesting that Ireland has become so Leinster and friends. And it, it's it's the and friends that are making the difference. Like it's Bundyaki, it's Mac Hansen, it's Peter O'Mahony and Tyke Byrne. And that's I'm not even saying that to have like a pop at Leinster or Ireland. Like I, I'm not. It's, it's the perception that's there. Like it's not even the players. It's the perception that's been built around them. I genuinely just find it so interesting that they still, and like Peter O'Mahony has sort of, how much more does Peter Romani have to do, basically? Like, I don't understand how they can still, even with a straight face, have those conversations around Peter Romani, considering how much of a night and day difference he makes to that Ireland team. And he does make that difference to this Munster team as well, but it is different. Like, the contexts are different. It, it's mad um, to think that he probably doesn't make as huge of a difference for Munster. And that's not disrespectful, and it's not saying he's not paid well No, no, Munster, I agree with you. But it's because... The likes of Tom Zahern has just hit the ground running. We, I thought, like when everyone got back fit. Now I, that was presuming Jorge Sneiman got back fit. Unfortunately, he didn't. <laughs> but I had presumed John Hodner was going to miss out. Peter Manny was going to move to seven. Like that was just <laughs> in my head. That's what was going to happen, and that's what a lot of people would have thought. But we're at the stage now where you're like, well, John Hodner's playing phenomenal, and Tom Zahern, like realistically, should be in an Ireland squad. But selfishly, I'd be glad if they wait because we have to play the Crusaders in Cork. And, you know, I, I'd like to see him do well there rather than hold a tackle bag. Like, is, we're is in the Tom Ahern undroppable now? From the 23? Yes. From well, yeah, the number but... six shirt, not necessarily. I don't feel like, I don't feel like there's too many players undroppable, but from the 23, he is. Because he covers it's... second row, he covers six. And he is just so explosive. Like, I, I hate this phrase, we don't make these athletes in these countries. In this country, because we do, we've got seventy-five back rows who we could make into a starting fifteen if we wanted to. We just yeah. don't. We just put them all in the back row. 
And Thomas Hearn's another example. Like but if Thomas he was from Hearn another country, is, he could be playing 12. He is an extra breed of absolute fucking freak, like in fairness. I, you know, we don't often make them in the six foot nine variety. Um, <laughs> that, but, that part is true. He's not six foot two, he's six foot nine. I would assume that Edwin Adogbo will start if he's fit. Um, I'd assume so, yeah. Likewise, Dermot Barron. In ter- like yeah. in terms of in terms of the pack, I would assume that Dermot Barron will come back in. I would assume that Possibly Edwin Adogbo. I would assume that Edwin Adogbo will come back in. If Omani was... Oh my God, it's so... Like if Omani was fit again, I would assume that he would start. This is whether whether we're I talking wouldn't. about Exeter, whether we're talking about Exeter or Stevens yeah. Day, I think that they will start him because I think if you're looking at the game as a context of a 23 as opposed to just he starts in this jersey, like imagine having Tom O'Hearn to bring off the bench on like 50 or 55 minutes. But I'll I'll flip that. Munster aren't finishing games well. Surely Peter O'Mahony. Like as well as say Conor Murray, if he starts on the bench, for instance, surely that is actually better for us than like. Don't get me wrong, Thomas Hearn's playing fantastic rugby, but there's always something to be said for, and I long believe this: guys who can close out the game are better on the mm-hmm. bench than guys who can chase a game. Realistically, because you need yeah. someone who can read what's happening in front of them before they get on the field at all. And I feel like if Peter O'Mahony is on the bench this weekend, I. Not, I'm not saying I'd be happier, but I wouldn't be unhappy. I wouldn't be in the Peter Omani dropped bracket. I never am. I could but, see, know. I could see if if Omani is to play this weekend, I'd say he would be on the bench just because of like from from a fitness point of view. Yeah. Um. In in terms of like, if we were just having this discussion about like, if there wasn't the the modified training and the you know doubt and blah blah blah, I think that having someone like a Hearn on the bench from like an explosiveness point of view you could bring him on if you wanted to like bring him on for Hodnett and then keep Omani on the pitch um, yeah, and then you sort of have the best of both worlds I could see them doing something like that could go 6-2 um, if you want you could go 6-2 and then and then if you need to bring Omani off you have like Kandelan or whoever it is you know um, in going forward it may be a dog bow when John Plain is fit that kind of thing Um. I think the fact that we're even able to have this discussion and like I fully I fully see your point of view with it and you fully see mine like it's it speaks to the sort of the quality of players that Munster do have it's just keeping enough of them fit that you can make the difference because Munster I firmly believe that Munster do have a difference making maybe not pack because look the front row is what it is but Munster do have a difference making back five in terms of the the quality and the calibre of players there, there just never seems to be enough of them there at the same time. And that is obviously the ultimate sort of curse, I guess. But it's exciting, touch wood, over these next few weeks with this extra game, this Leinster game, this Connacht game. Munster need to bounce back. It seems that there will be the players there, you know, to at least sort of partially facilitate that and... I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with the pool of players that they have in the pack um, over these next few games. Because you can like managing guys while also putting your best foot forward. And I think that there are so many combinations of of players that Munster can put out that you would look at and go, that is really fucking excellent stuff. And it's really... I don't know which which one we're going to see. I would assume that it will stay the same. I think Edmund Dogbo will come in for Fanine Witcherly and the rest of the pack will largely stay the same. 
Dermot Barron will come in. Ollie Yeager, I'd say, will be on the bench. Um, yeah, he's he's not up to fitness yet to start. And even at that, I don't think John Ryan. I I don't feel like he'd be the one that you take out for the sake of it either. No, you know no that kind I, of way. Not if yeah, you're going no, to be I, a couple of changes. Like we're looking at potentially, if if all goes to plan, Jeremy Barron, Edwin Adogbo, potentially Peter O'Mahony, potentially Craig Casey, Antoine Frisch, Shane Daly, and possibly even a Patrick Campbell. Granted, yeah. that's very unlikely because he'd have to start. You're not going to just bring in someone like Oli Jaeger for the sake of it anyways, you know, on top of that. No, and I think that John Ryan is, like, for all the issues that Munster might have in, in the set piece, like, John Ryan is not one of them. Um, Incredibly solid scrummager, even in this game, going as badly as it did, still had moments where he sort of saved plays with his hands at times. Like, he is, I still think that he is playing well, and I think that he is important enough that you would just leave him there. I could, you know, I think it'll be like, it'll be Lachman, Barron. It's assuming these players get back, like it'll be Lachman, Barron, Ryan, Adobo, Byrne. And then I think that they will keep Ahern, Hodna, Coombs. And if O'Mahony is fit, he'll be on the bench. And if not, we'll have this whole conversation again next week. Would you um, go 6-2? No, I don't think I would. I don't think it works for Munster. I don't think that they have the size to do it and I don't think that enough of the forwards are fit for them to do it now when Jean Klain is fit and then obviously further down the line um, again touch wood when Jean Klain and Artie's name and are both fit at the same time then it becomes more of a conversation I think becomes because, a after yeah and I think that, and, but I think at that stage it makes sense just because of the size and quality of players that Munster can bring on but now I don't really see the point because you know Alex Kandelan and Fanine Witcherly are not, they're just not big enough to be your sort of 6-2 players. I don't think it makes a massive amount of sense right now. So yeah. I would keep it as, you know, and it'll be like, um, it'll be either Casey or Murray, depending on what they'd want to do. I would assume it'll be Tony Butler and then you'll have someone like, um, you know, Sean O'Brien won't play in this one, will he? It'll be someone like Campbell that's, or Zeebo. That's a weird one. He wasn't, he was basically all but ruled out on Tuesday. And then today, Dennis Leamy was up for press and Sean O'Brien did some part of training and he said he's not ruled out. So I'd like to see him not play. Um, yeah, always. Because of that. Yeah, like I would I would like to see him not play. He he looked shook when he came back out um, on Saturday. And then I would assume he would have like whichever scrum half doesn't start and then Tony Butler and maybe Simon Zebo, like just from a you know an experience point of view, that yeah. kind of thing. But I, I think like, that that's yeah. what they'll do. You see, this is the thing. You see, I think Tony Butler has done all right in every game he's played, but I think we're Munster in an unfortunate position. If they did want to go 6 2, you're either asking Rory Scannell, who, as to use exactly what Eric said when he was on with yourself, God love him, but he's not 10. Do you know, no. like that's that's what he said as well. And I think we'd all agree there. We're asking either him to cover 10, we're asking, I feel like this is 2015 all over again, Connor Murray potentially to cover 10 if we go 6 2. Or I love the Butler. idea of Conor Murray playing 10. I've wanted it to happen. Yeah, since yeah, we know. <laughs> I just, one time, at Monster Rugby, please, one time. like We don't want do to be in that game, situation. <laughs> no, but like in a game, maybe against like, I'm not even going to name the name of a team because if I name the name of a team, Monster will lose to that team. But you know, yeah, if, there's, if, if a game ha- happens where Monster are many points up, you know, um, I would love to see it. I just like do some fun shit. Give me Casey and Murray playing. And I do that. And look, 
I, you know, I think Conor Murray is skilled enough that it would work. I don't think it would. It would. It, and but, to be fair, he's yeah, not the only I, one that would be considered. Like Antoine Frisch could cover 10 at a push, for instance. That's one that they might be looking at. But the only thing is, we're in a situation where if we want to go with a, a selection that I I think this this coaching group have no problem going 6-2. I think we've seen it last year. But like, if we're in a situation... I just situation, don't think it makes sense now. That's the thing. I don't think that they have... Especially with 10, with the situation we're in, because... Like, are you really asking Tony Butler basically to cover the whole back line or Jack Crowley? Like, I, I know this is another mini rant. I said I'd be ranting this evening. I am sorry. But, like, Connacht have three out halves, um, if not four, if you include the academy. Leinster have five out halves. Ourselves and Ulster, Ulster have two. One. <laughs> like, we have one senior one and one academy, and Ulster yeah. have two. Like, that's, I'm sorry. That's bollocks. Like, how this people think that's a fair system. I know there's a million and one reasons and about 700,000 of those are Ben Healy um, decided to play for Scotland and more credit to him. Like if he wants to beat England every year, fair fucks to him. I agree. No, no credit to him. I miss him every day. <laughs> I get that. But like how Munster weren't able to bring in a, like a backup 10. Look, and, the, and the, the... the Ireland incumbent is now being asked to go 80 minutes basically every week because of it. Like, if he gets injured, I can guarantee you that the RFU will not be happy if he gets injured. But I can guarantee you as well that Wig is going to stare back at them and be like, well, what the fuck did you expect? Do you know what well, I mean? Look, Monster's hands the, are tied here now. The sort of hoarding of resources in South County Dublin is a whole separate issue to <laughs> Munster using a 6-2 bench at the weekend against Exeter. <laughs> it's more of a um, geopolitical issue, I suppose. <laughs> but I do think that I am not anti 6-2. I think there's a lot of times where it makes sense. I think that there are times where it makes sense for Munster to do it. I don't think a game where you have one senior 10 and a whole rake of injured forwards is really the game to do it. It doesn't make a massive amount of sense to me anyway. Yeah, that's right. um, so I would assume that they won't. I think, I mean, in terms of like predictions wise, I, I think they'll bounce back. I think that this will be a, a massive performance. I think that you know, we saw after the sort of Glasgow game and Sharks in Europe game last season, um, the sort of the players spoke about the sort of honesty that they displayed with each other and the the way that the coaches spoke to them those few weeks. I think that there will be an element of that this week. I think that the players know, like, like I can tell you just from what I saw with my own eyes, the players knew that that wasn't good enough on Saturday. Yeah. They oh, were could, fucking livid. Yeah. Oh, they were livid. And rightly so, like, they should be. Like, they, you know, it's good that they are that angry with each other after a game like that. And, you know, I think that they they know that their Heineken Cup hinges on this game now. Yeah. because to- Like, top of the pool basically becomes unachievable without a whole lot of luck if we don't win on sun- Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I always like, forget when we play. <laughs> no, it's, but Munster don't usually play on a... They're not, they're not a Sunday team. Although oh. I will say, I know Sunday at one o'clock is a bollocks of a kickoff time for people who are travelling to it. I love when a Thornton Park game kicks off at one o'clock on a Sunday. It's one of my favourite kickoff times because I can... No. like The drive home after that... You know, it's not as good as the Sunday at 3.15, I'll be honest. Sunday at 3.15, go kickoff time. But anyway, that's actually a whole separate issue. Um, I I, I think this will be a monster win. I think it'll be a fucking 
dog game and I think that it'll be a difficult one um but I think that they'll do it I think that they will respond in the way that we can all see and they can all see needs to be responded in and yeah that's like like I, I even even in the stadium on Saturday after that match I was like they'll win next week though like it, it feels like this team will just do what they need to do this weekend and I know you can tell me if you disagree here and that's fair enough but I, I have two points that I want to make about that number one is I do think there's great accountability in this squad because I don't yeah. think they go on the run that they do last year unless they look to themselves and said, fuck it, we were making knock-ons after 20 minutes from easy passes. You you don't go from there to win the league title unless you're somewhat accountable. Yeah. But another thing is, as far as we know, every single player is going to be in squad this week. There's no one on like a long-term injury or heading for surgery that, that we know of, of course. Yeah. Obviously. Like, Jean There's always someone. There. There's always someone. Like Sean Clayne is there. Mike Haley is there. Peter O'Mahony is there. Orke Stamen is around the camp. All these lads are going to be at the the team review on the Monday or on the Tuesday, whenever they decide to do it this week. And they will be looking at it and saying, that's not good enough. And that's not good enough. Like Conor Murray played that game, did not play his best game. Clyde Byrne did not have his best game, despite having moments. Yeah. I think that's huge as well. And like, it's so easy to be overstated about the Monday morning review. But like, this isn't like we've had a, a young team out and are now heading into like a Six Nations period and all these lads are gone. They're all there. They're all looking at the exact same thing. They're all going to be putting their hands up and saying what's good enough and what's not good enough. And as you said, you can kind of come to expect a reaction. And even if you go back to the last time we played Exeter, we should have fucking beaten them. We should have beaten yeah. them in Sandy Road. Uh, yeah. Sandy, Sandy Park. Sandy, Sandy Park. Sandy Road is a place in Galway. Um, <laughs> Sandy Park is the name of the stadium in Exeter. And we obviously, Munster did then, did, then did then back. respond that week later. And Peter O'Mahony was genuine. And I said this in a group chat today. I genuinely think that's one of the best performances I've ever seen live. He was mm. that good a week later. Joey Carberry was unbelievable. Like the whole team were so good. They could have won that game by an extra 10 points. And the week before, they should have won the game. And like, I think that's what we're going to have to expect. And need I remind everyone, because it was fairly viral at the time. At halftime in Sandy Park, there was a certain man who was giving an absolute bollock into the players that caused a second half turnaround when it looked like they were dead and buried. That man was Graham Rountree. And if we think that he's going to rest in his hands after two weeks of performances that were just not up to standard in at least one regard, yeah, then, we, then we're lying to ourselves because I think there will be a reaction. I don't think this team will stand for not having a reaction. I don't think it's in them. To be honest. I don't think it's ever been in them. And I think that, you know, uh, this player spoke about it a lot in terms of the run-in at the end of last season and how they treated those couple of weeks after that Sharks-Europe game Um, in terms of, you know, how they spoke to each other, how they looked at what they had, what the last couple of games had gone like and how to sort of turn it around. I think that there will be an element of that this week. And like... Tom Savage from Three Red Kings made a really interesting point. It wasn't something that I would have ever thought of in terms of, you know, the injuries that Munster have, like it means that you don't train as well because you don't have the quality in terms of just bodies to train against, like yeah. training against players of the calibre of Peter O'Mahony and Jean Klein and Artie's name. And like, obviously that makes a difference to how you perform and Munster don't have that at the moment. But like you say, they will be there in the review. And like, yes, they didn't play, 
But I, from everything that we see and hear from this squad, the culture that they have and the sort of the dynamic of the squad as a whole, I don't think that any player who was playing will hear a criticism from a player who wasn't playing and think that it's not warranted or that he doesn't have the right to say that because he wasn't playing. Like, they will listen to that and... I, yeah, like I just think that they'll win. Like it's just, and I know that it, it. There's probably sort of no reason to think that other than vibes and magic and monster and the Heineken Cup. But I do think that they will go to Sandy Park and get get a result. Like I think that you know it's oversimplifying it to say it's what monster do, but there is an element of that, and I think that monster will know that they were good enough to win this game against Bayonne, even with that performance being as bad as it was, they were, you know, that bad performance was good enough to win that game. Against Glasgow, they should have won that game by, you know, 20 plus points. Like they, should they, were... won, they should have won that by 40 points. Like if it be, even the attack slowed down the second half, like that's, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, they, they should, were good they enough. Leinster. They were good like, enough. I was just going to say, they were good yeah. enough to get a win in Dublin. And like, it's all well and good being good enough but until you start being good enough and actually then getting the wins, yeah. um, you know, your season is sort of for nothing. And I think that that will have to start this weekend. And I believe in this squad and I do think that that's what will happen. Yeah. And I made the comment over on everyone's least favorite platform now, Twitter, that like Munster are now in a situation where if they don't win at least one Interpro, and don't win both of their, essentially their next three Heineken Cup games in the pool stages. They're right back where they were um, last year in January, where it's backs against the wall. It's how are we going to make a run at Europe? How are we going to make a run at the league table? I would like, say their backs are against the wall now. Like They, they are, but this, just this not last as three, much. You this know, last three performances, yeah. this last three performances, like whatever about the results, like I know it was a win, a draw, and a narrow loss. Like, these last three performances have put their backs up against the wall. And I think that that is when they, you know, there's only one way to go when your back's against the wall. And like, that's where it, that's what I think will happen. I think that the fact that this game is on a Sunday, like they can have, they have a whole extra day to be bollocked into giving that reaction. And I just, I don't see them compounding that performance with another performance like that. Um, in terms of, like the res- like I know that it was a draw, it, but it but it was a loss really. Like it was just a two point loss. Like that's kind of what it was. We but- drew, but we lost. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was but it was essentially a two point loss. Like um, and yeah. and you know, I don't think that Monster will play like that. And I think that I I just think that they're good enough. They have they they are a quality enough team even with that performance that they had last weekend to go and get that result. Yeah. No, they are. And like we are mentioning, so I have the injury report with me. Like, okay, Sean O'Brien is touch and go. We thought he'd be ruled out. He's touch and go. Simon Zebo, Patrick Campbell, Shane Daly, Peter Mahoney, Jimmy Barron, Ollie Yeager, and Edwin Adogbo. That's the players we're expecting. I think we can say at least three or four of those to come back in. I think that's no, I would safe. Say- most, if not all, I would like to see Sean O'Brien not play. Um, I don't see the benefit in having him play after, like, yeah, you know, I don't want to get into the 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 general 
culture about how head injuries are being treated at the moment blah 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 you know that's the whole thing that that's the the sort of overarching everything of every game that we talk about but um I would like to see Sean O'Brien not play for that reason um like I say I doubt that Pedro Mani will play but I think the rest of those players will probably play in some capacity obviously it I've, depends on like yeah you know, at, how, at how least everyone... one of Daly, Campbell, Zebo will probably feature. Whether we get two is another thing. Depends on the bench and, and so on. Yeah, so and I think that, like, obviously it depends on who's training what way. Like, we don't know that. But um, I would assume that, like, Adopo and Baron will certainly play, I'd say. And, like, yeah. it's, you know, you sort of really buried the lead there slightly. But uh, Mike Haley was in those training photos today. I was going to ask you to introduce it, but you, you jumped in ahead. So Sorry, I'll, I'll let you Mike go. Mike Haley. Mike Haley, everybody. Mike Haley. Who's training today? I, I didn't quite catch that. Would you like saying it again? Hear ye, hear ye. Mike Haley was in training today. Um, Look, Mike Haley's not going to play this weekend. <laughs> Let's just no. get that clear. The, the but... aim is next week. We were saying this off camera. The aim is next week and always was, but... As we, as everyone has the perception of time, we always knew Stephen's Day was a chance, and Stephen's Day is the game after this one. But it's Christmas; no one knows what day is the week it is. But yeah, but, he's back in training. How very exciting to get a training gallery, and they just sort of dropped a photo of Mike Haley in there with no noise. Yeah, and it was end as well. Like, it was very much end. just like, "Ah, oh, Mike, tis yourself." <laughs> like he just sort of showed up there in the hat, like he was looking you know, happy and, and healthy at the start of the Access Monster video this week doing the Monster March. And I miss, I, and look, it's a weird one because, you know, Nash has been playing very well, Um, obviously, because he's Calvin Nash. Daly has all of a sudden become this world-class fullback. Like McCarthy has played very well in, in, in parts. Ben O'Connor has played very well in parts. I think Sean O'Brien has played well in parts as well. I think some people, I think there is a, there is a mixed bag on, on Sean O'Brien at the moment. Yeah, I think he's been, I'd, I'd be mixed. And I, I think I'm he's not, been fine. I think he's been he's fine. He's been fine. He's not, a, he's not a winger. He's been asked to play a role that you wouldn't be familiar with. Exactly. But and I, he's done okay. But I just really, really do miss, um, you know, Nash Haley daily. Like, I have been missing that. I would love to see it. You know, Mike Haley is training. That's that's the news. Um, And... God, it's just it's just nice. Like it's nice when Munster players are fit and playing. Like I would love to see it happen more. Do you remember Roman Salanoa? Like I'd love to see Roman Salanoa play. He, he was when... expected to be back for the the turn of the year, but the longer it goes without him training, the less likely it's looking. Unfortunately, Look, um, say nothing, say nothing, yeah. because I dream about it. But um, yeah, Mike Haley was training. That is sort of in case anybody didn't get that message. Um. Mike Haley was there. I will also say um, Jean-Claude and Archie Snayman were at the match on Saturday. Um, Jean-Claude's eye looked fine. Like there was no sort of, he wasn't wearing an eye patch. It wasn't like mangled. It wasn't pointing the wrong way. Like it wasn't the wrong colour. Um, in case anybody needs a little bit of reassurance, he was dressed very strangely. I don't understand. He was wearing the top half of his monster suit, like his number ones. And then he was wearing jeans. So I don't know what event he was at or what it's event he was going to the haircut has changed him that's the issue <laughs> what was very funny was he had the baby in one of those like flat prams you know that they put really young babies in yeah. um and so him and Argy came in like and i like obviously neither of them john clayne has played but like 
it was the first time I've seen either of them anyway since the since the World Cup. So like they came across the pitch and walked yeah. down the tunnel that way. Um, and so obviously they got a great reception. Um, Orgy was moving fine as well. I know anyway, Orgy's not playing for ages, but um, Jean Klein had the baby in one of those little slap rams, and one of the kids leaned over and said, "Like, would you sign this for me, Jean Klein?" Like, obviously, I was like, "Yeah, no, Jean Klein, one fucking World Cup, let's go!" <laughs> I was like, "Fucking losing my mind." But um, so Jean Klein went to sign this guy's. I think it was like a program or something, and let go of the pram. And obviously, the tunnel is a is very slightly slanted, and the kid went flying down the tunnel. And Jean Klein's wife had to like run past him and be like, "You just let our child roll down this tunnel." And he was just signing away on the thing it was so so funny it was just it was hilarious and it made all the funnier by the fact that he was wearing half of his monster suit and then a pair of jeans like it was just the whole thing was hilarious and i'd say i'd say the kid was loving it like but um yeah very funny but you know as an injury thing like his face looked fine his face looked normal um i i i don't know if he couldn't see his child rolling down the tunnel but he seemed fine. Mike Haley is back in training. Um, you know, we'll put an APB out on Roman Salno. We'll find him. We'll figure out where he is. Antoine Frisch is grand. There are positives. Things will be better this week than they were last week. I believe that. I think that this team has earned, you know, our belief in that regard. And Munster by, I don't know, four or five. Hey, predictions. I, yeah, it, it's very hard to say with confidence. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's very hard for me to say with confidence. <laughs> you say everything with confidence that they'll win based on. Make it till you make it, guys. Yeah, I've well, never I'm... felt confident in anything in my entire life. Yeah, so why not do it about a team that you can't actually impact, but you feel like you can? I mean, I what you it. do is you just shout Mike Haley really loudly, and then people think you are confident. <laughs> I mean, they thought you were confident when you said we'll do the double in episode one. Like, this is miles back. But, yeah, I don't know. Which way am I leaning? I think, I think Munster will win, and I think we'll get a response. That part I agree with. In terms of how they do it, in terms of how big of a performance they need to do it, like, this is against an extra team who... Who scraped past Toulon in a bit of a weird game last week, by all accounts. I did miss it myself. Like, can they get they they should get the job done? They're more than good enough to get the job done. They've gone to the Stormers, they've gone to Dublin, they've gone to Ravenhill, they've gone to all these places and won. So, like, there's no reason that they can't win. And I'm just ah, I don't know. I, I'll go, I'll go with Munster. I'll go, yeah, I'll go with Munster. doesn't make a noise to say when she's recording oh, sorry we're recording <laughs> for those um, who, for those who couldn't hear we had a bit of technical difficulties there and we did not realize so... that it was recording when it was <laughs> um anyway yeah i think that like we 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 both agree that once we're gonna win and you know, I can't really see anything, but you look that's that's fine. I'll see Munster winning at one o'clock on Sunday afternoon and that's all I need to see. And ideally you'll see the win at twenty past one and twenty two and heading towards oh, three yeah, o'clock. Yeah. I'll I'll start seeing them win at one o'clock and I'll continue to see the win until, you know, June. Yeah, I mean, why stop at June? 
you know like that's that's, that's true but like I, but like to be fair after june i will stop seeing them win for a while when the season ends but um because they just won't be playing but i do think that from this point on monster won't win or won't, won't lose another <laughs> game this season they will win every other game this season win or draw what about draws we've had two already this year no We're fuck draws okay yeah i'm fed up i'm fed up with drawing games as well to be Not honest necessary. The the Benetton game was okay. We got to draw that sound. This game was oh fuck's sake! Do we actually just draw that game for the position we were in? Yeah, so it isn't yeah. in that realm. Should probably add. I didn't have it in the notes, but in case people haven't seen, three concerts have been added to Thomond Park main event. Thomond, we're gonna have to start calling it at some stage. Respectfully, uh, I wouldn't know what you have in the notes because I yeah. don't read them. That's, um, that's fair. it's really just for me because I keep forgetting <laughs> what happens in Munster on a week to week basis. I used to never read squad updates up until I started this podcast. I like, just... look, I know yeah. who's in training and I know what happened in the game because I watched it with my eyes. Um, so I don't really need to, to read about it. But yeah, uh, what is it? Liam Gallagher, pa- Paolo Nutini and someone else? Snow Patrol. I, you know, Isn't look, it? respect respectfully, I won't go and see any of those. Um, but you're not going to give good money to Monster Rugby just for the sake of giving them good money. <laughs> I buy tickets to the rugby games and I buy merchandise and okay. I go and see them play in South Africa and that's enough for me. Um, no, like obviously, great bit of dosh for Thorman Park. Love to see it. And and the the bit that I kind of vetoed around to get the concert part in is two games have been sold out: the interprovincial game against Leinster on Stevens's day and. Munster in the park too. The Crusaders coming to Cork. I, I mean, like 50,000 people in Parky Cueve for the second year in a row. This time against the Crusaders side of won seven Super Rugby in titles in a row. Like it's sold out. In terms of money and in terms of revenue and all that, it's great. But it just, it's absolutely great for Munster to be able to sell out a game like that, isn't it? Yeah, massive stuff. And like, Obviously, the South Africa game sold out, but it sold out much closer to the time. And like that one was, you know, a Thursday night game. Um, this one's on a Saturday. It's at five o'clock. Like lovely stuff. And, and I'm Ireland so played looking... the day before. They're not playing that day either in the six eight. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. I really can't wait for that one actually. Um, and you know that one won't be long coming. Like that's kind of really only in a few weeks when you think about it. But, um that's going to be a huge occasion. Like the whole Clash of the Champions thing is, is massive. I love, I love that. I, I feel like there's at least one person in Munster that looked at that and was like, Clash of the Champions. I love this because we're champions. I love this for all the reasons that it will piss a small <laughs> cohort of people off across the country or even potentially in like La Rochelle. Oh, have I lost? I may have lost treasure. But it, it may, you know... It's going to just sell like Munster having the Crusaders. Like, what a team to be able to bring over! And like, they play Quinns as well in the in a preseason friendly. It's it's just absolutely great for Munster to have these games. Do you know, so that's where we will leave it tonight, folks. Having uh, quite a few technical difficulties with Zoom. Um, Patricia has unfortunately been kicked out of the chat, not by me, but by. The AI gods, unfortunately. So, Patricia's saying Munster to win by about four points. I'm going to go with Munster to win as well. And I'm going to say maybe three or four points as well. I think they will just about get the job done. They have to. It's win at all costs now. It's win at all costs from here on in in the pool stage in Europe in pool three. We'll be back next week 
hopefully to look back on a win for Munster. And as always, if you like what you see or hear, please do subscribe and tell a friend. Plenty to come across the rest of the season from myself, Kaylon, from Patricia, who is some somewhere just enjoying the fact that she thinks Munster is going to win. I'm enjoying the fact that Munster is going. I think Munster win. I'm pumped up. I'm sure she is. I'm sure everyone at home is as well. This is the time to make a difference. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. And until next time, take it easy.